they not have not been greenlighted. That's the way it goes. Sometimes, right. in fact, the majority of the time, this is the most cinematic book that I've written, and I wrote it as researched it as nonfiction, and went through what I had, and I decided to, I wanted to fill in the blanks and connect the dots. And so when I wrote the book, it was a very cinematic experience. I could see it playing on the movie screen on the wall. So is it based on a true story or, true. or inspired by a true no, story? No, it's based. I, I, I researched it zealously as a nonfiction book, and that was going to be the original plan. And when I was done with the research, I decided that the best thing to do would be make it kind of an amalgamation of fact and fiction. We should have just called it nonfiction and put it in the history of nonfiction section, and it would have done a lot better. But this is about... Glenn Morris from Simla, Colorado, uh, the 1936 Olympic decathlon champion at the games at which Jesse Owens won four gold medals in front of Hitler. And, uh, so, and Glenn, De Glenn Morris eventually found out in Lenny Riefenstahl's memoirs, the notorious Nazi propagandist filmmaker and actress, she wrote that she had an affair with Glenn Morris during the film of filming of, during the games and the filming of Olympia, the, the documentary about, the 1936 Olympics. And so I, that got my attention and I went back and researched it as best I could and, and wrote it as filling in the blanks and connecting the dots. So it's about, it's about, uh, uh, a, a quote love story between a, a opportunistic manipulative right. jerk of a woman, but also powerful in Nazi Germany. She never joined the Nazi party. So that's how she got out of getting in too much trouble after the war. So I, I wrote it as a novel. It's, it's my best book. Well, I got to tell you, it's a good thing she did not have an affair with Marty Glickman, because if she did, she probably would have been sent away. Marty is rather prominent in the book. I think a lot of people don't know that story, and I'll try to tell well, it very quickly. But well, he, he, he was a member of the, he should have been on the relay team that won the gold medal. Jesse Owens was added to it, and uh, but he was taken off the relay team because he was taken over there as an extra, as an alternate. And it, by the way they did it, he should have been on the relay team. With that, thank you for the book. Thank you for signing it. I appreciate it. Time now for The Lead. The Lead, presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Well, Blues head coach Craig Berube had a press conference today, and he started the press conference with a statement about the racist-fueled death threats to Nazem Kadri, which preceded Game 4 in St. Louis. What he said was, I just want my comment on my no comment the other day, or at least I want to comment on my no comment the other day. I am not on social media. I was aware of the threat made to Nazem, not the racist stuff. In no way is it acceptable by the St. Louis Blues or anybody else for him to go through that. Being Native American myself, I've heard it all. I've been around it. It is not a good thing. When I heard this, I'm thinking, dude, you are three days too late. Two days, but... The, the problem well, was... Well, it came out on Sunday, and today is Wednesday. The game... Today's Wednesday. Yes. Came out on Sunday. But he could have done it when he said no comment. That was on Monday before the... on the, At the morning skate. In, the, the, thing about, the thing about his reputation was right. after the game. I'll say this, though. Terry, unless he was living in a cave, <laughs> he knew Correct. the police were outside of the Avs Hotel. Okay. He said, I'm not on social media. That's fine. You know what? His players are on social media. 
I don't buy this for one minute. And I got news for you. If something happens that is racist to black people, I'm not going to suddenly stand up and say, I'm Jewish and I get it. Spare me the Native American stuff. Well, it's insulting to Native Americans. In this case, even if it was originally ignorant of what was going on, uh, it, it festered so quickly and got exposed so quickly, he would have found out about it right away. Right. And uh, you know who I, uh, who I fault in all of this is the Blues organization for also not just saying, you will get up there and you will say, Paul Bunt. And it kind of ended up that way, apparently. I mean, if you read between the lines. Well, the board of go- the guy who's on the board of governors, he responded today. Here. Today. All of them responded today. And I'll tell you something else. I read this on Twitter. There's a guy, I'll mispronounce his last name, Adam Weidel. He's a radio uh, talk show host uh, in Toronto, or he's a host or a disc jockey, whatever. Uh, he tweeted out, sources tell me the reason the St. Louis Blues have yet to make a statement about the targeted racist abuse of Nazem Kadri. Well, what he heard was they're working on something. And he tweeted that out about 10 minutes before Baruby spoke. I think he got a lot of direction from within the organization and probably from the league. And in that sense, it was mandated. But uh, he sh- the, at the very least, the organization could have insisted. The PR- Let's say he was ignorant. Let's just pretend for one minute he was yeah. ignorant. The public relations department, that's what they're supposed to be doing, should have said, hey, coach, coach, I can't tell you what to do, but here's my suggestion. This is what's going on out there. This is how you should respond. You don't have to, you don't have to completely collapse and pretend like you're going to walk up and hug Nazem Kadri before the game, which he probably should, actually. That'd be a good gesture. No, let's move on. I'll I'll tell you where... Baruby was totally disingenuous about this whole thing. And I'll read from his quote again. I was aware of the threat made to Nazem, not the racist stuff. Let me ask you. A singular, it was a singular choice of words, too. L- l- let me ask you something. What do you think would be worse for somebody? Being, a, being the recipient of a racist comment or a death threat? You're telling me that he chose not to respond where people were threatening to kill Kadri's life and he answered no comment. Shame on you. Agreed. I will say uh, I'll, I'll be I'll be at least a little open-minded on allowing some leeway for complete for ignorance to a point. He, that, he, he knew that, about the death he threat. He crossed that point very quickly. Terry, he knew about the death threat. And I'm sorry, that's worse than the than the racial yes. overtones. And he chose no comment. This story came out on Sunday. The game was 24 hours later, and he chose no comment when people threatened to kill Nazem Kadri. But the no com- the no comment comment came on Monday at the morning skate before Game Three. Right, but he knew about the death threat. Yes. And he chose not to comment on a yes. death threat? I absolutely agree with you on all of that. But I'm saying I, I, I'm going to give him a little, the tiniest hole of when he found out what he knew and when he knew it. Uh, it, it doesn't mean he he wasn't sitting there monitoring social social media, but somebody should be in that organization. They now have all these digital staffs for every team. I don't, I don't remember the players saying anything. They're on social media. Yes. Right. They probably knew. Prime. Give me a break. Seriously. There was some mild, mild regret expressed by some of the players on the day of game four. 
that was, but it was so mild it was almost unnoticeable. I'll tell you what, what to me is so egregious and disgusting about what Baruby said. He tried to admit, he tried to emit empathy because he's Native American. I I understand what it's like to feel persecuted. Listen, Nazim, I get it. I'm Native American. I know you're Native American. I get that. But you had to throw that in there. So, so well. You don't think he's, don't you don't, okay, I'm just going to ask you. Yeah. You don't think he's ever been a victim of prejudice in his life? There's no question he has been. I have zero doubt that he has been a victim of racist taunts, threats, persecution, whatever it is. Hockey calls every Native American chief. I mean, that's the way that's the way the sport was over the years. Right. It's and listen, pre- it's probably enlightened now. The other Ron DeLorme was here, played he was a Cree. He was a Cree. I covered Brian Trottier is the Aboriginal. I covered Ted Nolan. Yeah. Okay, in nineteen ninety five, whenever it was, and he was, I think, a Jibboy. I believe he was. Okay. With that, so you're trying to say, Craig, that Have you walked in his shoes, though? I'm Jewish. I've walked in his shoes. And you know why? I, I thought you said you wouldn't raise that. I'll, t- I'll tell you, because I've received death threats. Because when I was in Kalispell, Montana, I pick up my phone one day. I learned very quickly that when you have a landline, I don't know if you know this, the only way to get your number unpublished in a phone book back then was to actually pay to keep it out of there. Yeah. It automatically goes in. I'm at home one day. And I pick up my phone, and they said, we're going to kill you, you effing Jew. That's the Allen Berg. What's that? That's the Allen Berg scenario. Oh, well, yes. I know exactly what you're talking about, the radio host. My point is, yes, I've experienced too. But if I knew somebody was receiving racial threats, death threats, I would not throw out there, well, I get it too. You were three days late guy you were three days late and now your pr department is cleaning up your mess but i guess that's splitting either he knew about it on sunday there's no way he didn't know about this on sunday no way but i'm gonna i will be willing to spread the blame wider than just craig baruby i agree the organization was at fault yep the nhl was at fault yep the nhlpa did did issue a statement but it was a little bit delayed delayed at least they did something yes and you know what's even worse terry gary bettman's jewish Shame on you. You should understand persecution. Bigger in my mind is the fact that the NHL is attempting to demonstrate progress on all those fronts that we've talked about, on all all social fronts that we've talked about. You know what progress is? And you and I have talked about it. It's a white league, and minorities are white European players. That's integration. You know what hockey's problem is? Uh, I don't know if you agree with this or not. Hockey's hockey's problem is is economic. It's rich kids. You, most of the Americans most all. of the Americans playing in right. the NHL, especially in the in the in the United States, are rich kids. Not maybe not rich, but what what, what would more you say? fortunate upper middle class more fortunate because of the price of ice, the price of playing the game. Right, and so that has that that to me is an economic. Factor. We have heard many times in, in Canada they work to try to make right get, get ways for kids to be able to play. We don't do it down here at, as much. At the risk of feeding a stereotype, I'll just tell you what I've heard, and you have heard it as well. That a number of athletes, 
come from single parent homes. Is that an unfair statement? Not all, but some. Some. And the mother has to work a couple of jobs in the inner city. Fair? How in the world is that mother working two jobs going to get her son to practice? And that backs up your point. How is that even possible? Then it's an expensive sport as well. And there really isn't a lot of hockey in the inner cities anyway. It's in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. There, it was a big hockey community where I grew up, but I grew up on the North Shore of Chicago. Johnny's Ice House is right by uh, the United Center, and they try to well, when give was experiences that? to But when players. was that built? I, I, I don't know. I'm going to guess 1995. Something oh, like that. Well, I grew up in the 70s, but you know who lived down the street from my house? Who lived down the street from your house? Bobby Orr. Really? Yes. I, I'm now in awe. Are you? Yeah. So did Artis Gilmore. So did Jerry Sloan. All those guys were fortunate. We got by and we were we were middle class. We we had what we needed, but there were no extras. We were not the oars. We were not the Gilmores. We were none of them. But that was not the neighborhood, but that was the area. Mm-hmm. And Northbrook, Illinois, uh, speed skating. Yeah. All of that. Well, that's, that's speed skating rink. Right. That's where I grew up. But some mother who's working two jobs in the inner city is not going to be able to schlep up the Edens to get her son to practice when practices can be at five in the morning or 11 o'clock at night. So to your point, there are disadvantages for young black men or young, young men who aren't from wealthy families of of any race, of any ethnicity. Right. Coming up after the break, Nathaniel Hackett says he's going to build his offense around Russell Wilson to make sure he's comfortable. (laughs) That's a pretty good idea. Well, I know it's a great idea. But there are a lot of coaches, and you've covered football for a long time. A lot of coaches say that and never follow through. We'll talk about it next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wild Card Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, smileisports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at tfry, at Eric Goodman, if you're looking for wholesale on to the public. Go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about Mighty Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Uh, last summer, my HVAC crapped out, and I'm thinking, oh, man, what am I going to do? Well, I looked up some Google reviews, and I found that Mighty Plumbing, Heating, and Air at the time had about 500 five-star reviews. I'm like, this is the company i got to go with. Now they have over 800. Wow. Uh, were those reviews spot on. What I loved about Mighty Plumbing, Heating, and Air, they said they were going to show up at noon. They didn't show up at 12.05. They didn't show up at 12.10. They showed up at noon. Then I got the best product out there called Rudd, and they exclusively work with Mighty Plumbing, Heating, and Air because they are so good at what they do. And I got a great price on it as well. So with the weather quickly changing right now is the time to get your 30 point inspection with mighty plumbing heating and air beat the rush right now while it's still inexpensive this month you can get 150 bucks off any ac repair and or you can get 150 bucks off any plumbing service they do it all and everything they do is fantastic 
Go to MightyPH.com. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Mighty Plumbing and Heating. Why does Mighty Plumbing and Heating have over 600 five-star reviews? No one has better service, and they will meet or beat any written offer. Go to MightyPH.com. So Nathaniel Hackett says he's going to build his offense around Russell Wilson. Now, here's the thing, Terry. Coaches say that all the time when they walk in the door as an offensive coordinator. They sure do. Right? Listen. What I'm going to do is I'm going to look at the talent that we have and build an offense just like that. You know who told me that? Mike McCoy. You know who who said that as well? Pat Shermer. And you know what happened? They like their own system. They like what they do. They know what they're comfortable with, and the players will have to adapt. Wasn't it pretty much linked to the quarterbacks, though? Yep. I mean, we're, we're talking about Drew Locke here. We're talking about well, Tim Tebow here. Pat Shermer, but they did, did adapt everything. With, they did adapt with uh, Tim Tebow. Pat Shermer did everything he could to put Locke in bad situations. Everything he could. Oh, you're in that. You're in that. I'm not in you're anything. Pointing at the grassy knoll over there. And nope. Have a conspiracy theory about I, this? I, no, I don't have a. Cons- Drew Locke didn't need to be didn't need to be put into situations where he would fail because he. He would fail in any situation. Well, he didn't fail with Scangarello. And there's a reason why he didn't fail with Scangarello. Because Scangarello had low standards? No. Scangarello knew that Drew Locke's vision was limited. So what he did was he designed an offense where he only had to really look at one-third of the field. That's what yep. he... That, Terry... That, that doesn't make for a winning football combination, though. No, it doesn't. Not long-term, but short-term... Trying to train him, teach him. Try it. It was baby steps with him. Scangarello. You could talk to anybody in the organization or anybody who's close to the team. What Scangarello did was he basically put three wide receivers pretty much in the same area. So what was Drew Locke weak at? Going through his progressions. That's what he was the most weak at when it came to what was above his shoulders. So if you put everybody in his in his view, in his eyesight, he doesn't have to keep checking down to one side of the field, the middle of the field, the other side of the field. Pat Shermer came in. I mean, you just, all you have to do is look at what... That's tying your hands as an offense, though. It is long-term, no question, because eventually those teams will figure you out defensively. It, didn't, it wasn't going to help lock, uh, lock short-term. I mean, it was going to help him short-term. Long-term... It wouldn't be good. Shermer came in and said, nope, um, I, I'm not here to babysit you. You're going to have to learn to read the entire field. How are you tying that How are you tying that to Nathaniel Hackett then? Well, he's got a lot to work with, fortunately for him. He has a real student of the game in Russell Wilson. Yeah. So I think they will design plays to work with Russell Wilson's mobility, as an example. Russell Wilson, when it comes to football IQ... He's as high as anybody in the league currently. Okay, I'm going to ask you a serious question that, that I don't pretend to have sat down watched yeah. film research. How much was Hackett involved in that kind of interplay with Aaron Rodgers? How, what the Packers were going to do? It's hard or to was that already there when he got there? It's, it's hard to say because that's Matt LaFleur's offense. Yeah, Let's really call it like it is. That's his offense. And here's the funny thing is that Nathaniel Hackett came from a completely different system mm-hmm. with Doug Marone. Yeah. In Buffalo and, and in Jacksonville. Yeah, several places. So he goes into the floor, 
Shanahan, McVeigh type of system. So he learned something new. And let's not forget, I covered his dad, Paul Hackett yeah. with the Chiefs. His father had his own style. So he has a lot of different ideas on how to construct an offense. But I believe Nathaniel Hackett when he says he wants to put Wilson in the best position to succeed. He is tailor-making. Here, you know who did it as good as anybody? Peyton Manning walks in the door. One reason why Peyton Manning came here, people forget. Everyone talks about John Elway being the main guy why he came here. John Elway was a reason why, Terry. But another reason why was John Fox said to him, said to Manning, you can run your offense. I'm going to get out of the way. You run your offense, you and Adam Gase or whoever else it is, and you do what makes you feel comfortable. How about Reed and enemy at Kansas City with, with Mahomes? We could have a two-hour conversation about Eric Bieniemy. And we could talk about it off air. Eric Bieniemy. Um, I'm just talking as a strategist with Holmes. He's not. That's Andy Reid's offense. Okay, that's why I said Reed. No, no doubt. That's Andy Reid's offense. And right now, Eric Bieniemy is lucky to have a job. And the only reason he has a job is because of everything that's going on in the NFL and the Flores situation, and they're not going to let him go. The guy that Andy Reid truly wanted to be his offensive coordinator was Mike Kafka, who left. Mm -hmm. But Kafka left because he had a chance to call his own plays. Where? Where did he go? Uh, Giants, maybe? Okay. Did Mike Kafka, Danny, go to the Giants? Maybe. (laughs) Okay. There you go. I can't remember where he went. But he has the chance to call his own plays. I think Nathaniel Hackett is a guy who younger guys, I think, are more willing to adapt. Where older guys like a Pat Shermer, this is my way. It's always worked for me. Where unfortunately it really hasn't. And we're going to do it my way. But he's, he's avail- not willing to evolve. Do the available pieces, do the available parts of the puzzle work with that, work with that vision for Russell Wilson? That, that I don't know. He says he wants to work with him. Here, I'll give you a really good example. Uh, I'll compare what's happening here to what happened in Cleveland. Because I know people really close to Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. And this is why they had major issues. He and Stefanski had major issues. Collaborationist. Bingo. Stefanski did not want to collaborate with Baker Mayfield. And Mayfield wanted to be collaborative. Younger coaches will be more collaborative. Older coaches are set in their way. But you can't be too pick-headed in locking your, locking your strategy 100% into even, even your quarterback. If you don't have the personnel to protect the quarterback, I agree. if you don't have the weapons for him to use, locking everything in on, on the one guy on the quarterback, you may have to... You may have to be adaptive and flexible, even with the quarterback scheme. But a lot, but a lot of coaches are not. No, a, a smart coach says, "What kind of plays do you like to run?" And if a coach says, "I don't like to run those plays," and he's an older coach, you're running his plays. He's the one calling the plays. Pat Shermer refused to be moved off of what he wants to do. Because Vic Fangio was just kind of off over there with the defense. Well, one reason why he hired Pat Shermer and let go of Scangarella was he felt he had to babysit Scangarella Mm -hmm. because he was a younger coach. Fangio wanted Shermer because he felt, I just want to work on my defense. Pat, you handle the offense. I'm going to be hands-off. You do what you need to do. Pat Shermer's never had a load of success as an NFL head coach 
or as an offensive coordinator. And no, he didn't have a ton of talent to work with at the quarterback position. I am with you on that. But again, all you have to do is look at what Drew Locke did in his first year under Scangarello and what he did under Shermer, and he looked worse. But even as a first-year head coach with an offensive background, he has to be flexible and, and not stubborn in insisting we're going to keep go- plugging through this through this uh, model that I'm trying to plug in here. When I do, if, when, if you don't have the players for it, if you're finding out that you're going to have to be flexible on that, you have you have to be willing to, to step away from that ideal. Right. When Mike McCoy was hired for the second time, not Tebow, hired for the second time, and I believe it was with Vance Joseph, when I was doing the show at Les, we had a one-on-one with McCoy. And McCoy said to both of us, me and Les, I'm going to look at the talent on the roster, okay, and I'm going to devise a system that works best for that talent. And he couldn't have done any more of the opposite. How about Bill Musgrave? I mean, I can't go. I can't. I, personally, I don't have the acumen to dig so deep on what guys do. I think he but was I know trying to be adaptive. Yeah. I can, I can tell you about Shermer and Scangarello. Okay. Because Scangarello, again, ask anybody who was around the team, he made it easy for Drew Locke to see one side of the field. Because Drew Locke coming out of Missouri, listen, you know how play, you know, play calls in, for some SEC <laughs> teams, the play calls are three big poster boards. One has Yogi Bear, the other one has a bass, and the other one has a Christmas tree. And somebody holds one up, and that's the play. Well, the other thing about play calling is if the play works, it's a good call. If it didn't work, it's a bad call. Right, right. All right. Coming up after the break, Mike Singer of the Denver Post has some interesting stuff to say about Nikola Jokic, specifically having to do with Tim Conley leaving. That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, milehighsports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at T. Fry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda. Or find them at sthmazda.com. All right, for our friend Mike Singer of the Denver Post, Nuggets Management has been in touch with Nikola Jokic in the days following Tim Conley. Leaving for the Timberwolves, Jokic says he is comfortable with the direction of the team. That's what Singer was told by a league source. Uh, Jokic eligible to sign a max deal, five years, $254 million. Jokic says he intends to sign it. I remember he said he intended to sign it before Conley left. Do you have any skepticism about him signing it? I'm just a little bit skeptical. This is obviously came secondhand. It wasn't a direct... It wasn't Nikola Jokic. No. It was not him directly saying it. So this is coming from a second source 
kind of an intermediary. We all have to do it. We all done it. So I'm not criticizing. What if his source was Josh Kroenke? Then I'd believe it. Well, that could be league source. It could be. Right. Yes. Because you've done the but same thing. I don't thing. know that. I don't know that. And you don't know that. And I'm not saying it's true. I'm right. not saying it's false. I, te- I tend to, err, uh, from the people that I know mm-hmm. in the media, some I trust more than others. So if you said to me, you had a league source, to me, that's gold. Okay. With Mike Singer, who I know, he doesn't, I've known him for a long time. He, he's not the type of guy that would just make stuff up. Well, honestly, there are a lot of people in our business who wouldn't necessarily make stuff up right. so much as as th- consider anybody a, quote, league source. Could uh, but, be, in hockey, it could be the assistant sure. trainer's hairdresser, sure. mother's hairdresser. I'm with you. I'm just, just saying. Just a league source is a throwaway line to, to be able to justify saying something you think is true and you have heard indirectly. I would say that I know Mike well. And he doesn't strike me as that. Okay, type I'm of not guy. saying that at all. No, I'm saying for me. Yeah, I'm saying for me. I know Mike well. He doesn't strike me as the type of guy who would make that up. That that that's it. I'm just saying I don't believe, but I understand the skepticism because when you don't attach a name to it, there's always so, skepticism. So please don't take that no. as an indication on my part of skepticism about the legitimacy. But, by the way, I'm just saying the more specific yeah. you can be, right, the less likely you are for me to go. Well, who was that? Well, here here okay. Um, for me, I mean, if we're talking journalism 101 here, um, I never want to tie it to somebody in the organization. If I talk to somebody directly in the organization, I don't put nugget source. I put NBA source. Usually, you you know the 90% of the time in journalism around here, this, they quote team source, nugget source, NHL right. source, NBA source, is right. the PR guy. Might be. Might very well be. I don't know. Again, I go, person. I go person by person. Do I trust this guy's sources or don't I? And then I kind of take it from there because I know all the media guys in town, as do you. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Mike, how are you? He's listening to the show today. I told him we we're going to do this segment. I had a feeling you were going to say that. So next time you see him, you know, he might have some apologizing to do. I'm kidding. What did I just say? I'm, I'm kidding. I'm what kidding. did I just I'm, say? I'm totally kidding. With that, um, I personally don't believe that losing Conley is going to have that big of effect on Jokic coming back. Very little, actually. What about all this family atmosphere and how, how close they were? Well, and all of a sudden, Jokic doesn't care? No, because that's only one leg of the table. There's still three other legs there. I mean, if you really think about it logically... Calvin Booth. Right. And I don't know their relationship. Josh. Right. Who does Jokic spend the majority of his time with? <laughs> the physical trainer. Okay. And Malone. Yeah. And Malone. And if you watched that video from Serbia, the strongest bear hug that, my opinion, that Jokic gave was to Malone. I think that's his guy. It's not to say that Conley is not. Mm -hmm. Conley did a great job, I believe, of building a family atmosphere. Guys get along. Guys work well together. That's a positive, but sometimes it's a negative. Will Barton should have been gone a long time ago. That's Conley's guy. And, it's also Malone's guy. What's that? He's also Malone's guy. Isn't well, it? well, uh, he's Conley's guy. Conley doesn't like to trade guys. He, he doesn't like to trade his own guys. He falls in love with them. You got to take him out to dinner the night before and have chicken wings. And- maybe, maybe, but but I think that's a fault. That was a major a major fault. I'll say it. A major fault of Tim Conley. He fell in love with his guys. I find that more endearing than a fault. Um, well, if it, 
In, it, in the pure basketball competitive sense, I know what you're saying. It's, I don't think it's a good thing. I, I don't think it's a good thing they held on to Gary Harris as long as they did. Gary Harris is who he is, but they treated him like, man, he's one of the best, one of the best two guards in the league. How about Monte Morris? Monte Morris is a backup. That's what he is. Mm-hmm. He's a backup, and he played like a backup. Gary Harris... My point is, is that you draft these guys and you love them and you don't want to trade them. And I, and I do think that's a fault of Tim Conley. Masai Ujiri, he'd trade anybody. He would. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Arturis Karnasovas. He would trade people because you can't let your personal feelings get involved with your business decisions. What was your hostage negotiator line? Um, about Stan Kroenke. If he was a hostage negotiator, he would tell the guy holding the hostage to shoot him. That's ruthless. That's right. And there's nothing wrong with that in business. You got to make the best. When, when you are a businessman and I am a businessman and you know that, once you let emotions get in the way of your business decisions, you will be making bad decisions. You got to make business decisions. And Tim had too much emotion mm-hmm. with how he felt about his players. I think Jokic comes back. I absolutely think he comes back. When's he going to sign that contract? When it's offered. And it will be offered. I have no doubt it'll be offered. Jokic strikes me as a guy like a Tim Duncan. He doesn't mind playing in a small market or a mid-market, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I think he's comfortable here. I think he wants to stay here. I don't think he's the type of guy that wants to go to New York. He has a home here. Tim Duncan, same way. Giannis Antetokounmpo, again, another country, just like Jokic. I, I think he's fine in Milwaukee. I don't think he's dying to go to New York. I don't think he is. And you know what all three of those guys have in common? None of them were born in the United States. Three of the five NBA All-Stars. No, I'm talking about Duncan, Giannis, and Jokic. I'm just saying that the internationalization of the game yep. is progressing full speed, full speed ahead with three of the five All-NBA choices. Right. I mean, Embiid, players. Embiid was drafted by Philadelphia, right? And the other three guys I mentioned were all drafted by those teams. And they don't necessarily want to leave. At least, Duncan never left. I don't think Jokic wants to leave. And I don't know if Giannis will leave. I don't Mm -hmm. think he has any reason to leave. He's already won a title. And they brought in a ton of help to prove we want to make sure that you have a championship caliber roster. I think Giannis finishes his career there unless at the tail end he goes someplace else because they don't want him anymore. But Are you doubtful that Jokic would come back because Conley's gone? No, I'm just saying... I would rather hear it directly from the mouth of Nikola Jokic. But you won't because he's in Serbia. Why not? Because he's in Serbia. I I believe telephones work. Well, I don't think he's Email would work. He's not going to be doing a one-on-one interview with Mike Singer or me or you or anybody else. Because he's not. I don't have his number. Do you? If you have his number, I'll call him. They won't be giving us his his number. I'm just saying in an ideal world, that should have... I'm sure Mike probably tried and pressed for that. And, he, and I have the utmost respect for his work. I don't. And he has very strong connections within that organization. Very, very strong. All those guys. I mean, you look at the piece that he did for the Denver Post. I mean, I thought that was great. It was about the trip to Serbia. Mm-hmm. He knows all those guys well. They all granted interviews to him. Yeah. So, all right, what do we have coming up on Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it? Well, speaking of those all NBA teams, Terry, we'll go through first, second, third team. Jokic is there. A lot of international players represented. Did anybody get snubbed? That's coming up next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports.
Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us at You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at T Fry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. I've been telling you about Smoking Dave's Barbecue and Brew for a long time. Some of you know, many of you know. Terry and I just started on this show together a week and a half ago, and I said to him, Terry, you need to go to Smoking Dave's Barbecue and Brew. Terry, meet Dave. Dave, this is Terry. Say hello. Hi, Dave. Hey, guys. How you doing? All right, so... He went over there, and then he sent me a picture of what was it called, the triple platter? The triple platter. My wife, Helen, and I both had the triple platter. Nice. And he said to me, there was some corn thing. I wasn't familiar what it's called. It was great. Right. The, 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 right. The, he loved it. He absolutely loved it. You have, yeah. a, you, have a new, you have a new customer and his wife. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's our southern corn bake, and it's just fantastic. It's savory and sweet, and it's... It uh, it works very well with all of our meats. You know what I discovered too? You serve beer. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and here's yes, sir. Yes, sir. We do. So, uh, Dave, I said to Terry, I said, "Do you like chicken marsala?" He goes, "I love chicken marsala." I said, "When you go there, get the chicken marsala. It's it's just absolutely amazing, and there's so many great non barbecue options." And Terry came back to me and said, "What?" I said, "We had to do the barbecue first, right?" Yeah. So tell so, Terry. So Eric is mad at me. I'm not mad at you. you I know you're going to go back. T- tell him why a barbecue place has chicken marsala. You know, we all have previous lives, and I just that's just one of our items that I couldn't let go from uh, my steakhouse days. And it, it adds a nice addition, and it gives people the variety if they don't want barbecue. And it, it just worked well. It's, it's a nice dish. I mean, I think we have one of the best marsalas around. No, I would totally agree. And then I said to him, you could just go to Smoke and Dave's for dessert. And I said, do you, do you like bread pudding? And Terry, you said, you love bread yes. pudding. And I said, did you get the bread pudding? No. There we go. Now there's a reason to go <laughs> well, back. You, you got, right. Well, you got. Say it again, Dave. Oh, did we lose Dave? Dave, you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay. Yes. So you were saying about the bread pudding. No, I was just saying, you know, that that's just because you and your wife got two three meat platters. Yes, we we that, were... that alone, you know, that'll feed you for a week right there. <laughs> okay, so it is graduation season. We are coming up on Memorial Day. I know people love the barbecue. Uh, I've catered in. We did it for a Halloween party. Tell everybody about catering if they don't want to grill out on Memorial Day or they want to celebrate an occasion. Well, go to our website, SmokingDavesBarbecue.com. We have a catering tab at the top of the page, and it lists all the items that we do in bulk. And we are filling up. We've got a busy weekend expected at all of our locations, but we can definitely fit you in. And we'll take that stress away from you, and you don't have to worry about it. And you can just enjoy your company, and you know we'll do all the cooking. And by the way, uh, with the weather getting nice, people are going to go up to Estes Park. Uh, you guys are like Starbucks. When you drive up from Denver, you really can't miss Smoking Dave's, can you? No, we've got two locations in Estes, and uh, one's our seasonal that we opened up April 1st. That's kicking off, and uh, 
that's at the 14 or the 18 hole golf course, and the other one is at uh, our mainstay at uh, 820 Moraine Avenue. And uh, we're just uh, we're, we're pumping them out right now. Yeah, but we get hit up at Lions too, don't we? Well, yeah, you got to stop in line before you go up to Estes. Absolutely. Right. I mean, absolutely. I'm ser- you got a pregame. Yes. Right. I mean, you're, I'm telling you, you're like Starbucks up in that area. Of course, you're in North Denver. Yeah, that's right. That right. All right. Hey, Dave. Thanks for your time, pal. All right. Take care. See ya. All right. Time now for the final word. The final word. Is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it a little bit after we finished up our show last night, the NBA announced their all-NBA teams. First team, Terry, as you mentioned, three international players on there, Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum and Devin Booker. The second team, Embiid, Curry, Ja Morant, Kevin Durant, and DeMar DeRozan. The third team, Chris Paul, Trey Young, LeBron James, Pascal Siakam, and Carl Anthony Towns. It is the first time the first team is all 27 years old or younger since 1954-55. Uh, anyone seem too high or too low from your point of view on this list? John Moran should be on there instead of Devin Booker on the first team. Number, I agree. That's number one. Uh, it really would have been intriguing had Curry played the entire season. Then you'd have to decide whether to, dis- whether to displace Doncic there on the first team. I'm going to flip it around to you, Danny, and I'm going to flip it around to you, Terry. If there was a game four on four, actually, you know what? We're going to go five on five. Is there a team made up of NBA players that could beat this international lineup? Doncic, Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, and Siakam. No. And Siakam, who's 13, by the way. I could they, no. Danny, could they be beat? Could you put together LeBron, Curry, John Morant? Would they beat that team? Uh, it would be It would be very tough to put together a team to beat them. I mean, you have the top three MVP candidates from this year all on that team, so it's right. And I believe Luca was also somewhere in that top right. ten conversation. So right. it would be tough to build a team to beat them. Yeah, a I matchup think, nightmare, honestly. I right. think the other interesting thing that strikes me is I th- I think Joel Embiid is one of the five best players in the NBA, but because of the position or the position designation, he was second team. Right. And oh, by the way. Uh, we talk about Tim Conley as, as a draft guy, and he, he's a very good draft guy. I would always put my money on Masai Ujiri. I believe it was the 2016 draft. The uh, I believe the Nuggets had three first-round picks. Does that sound about right? I think they had three first-round picks. Jamal Murray was first, and then they took a couple of other guys. I think Wancho was one of them. You know who um, Masai Ujiri took at number 27? Pascal Siakam. Did they trade him? Nope, they did not. What they do with him? They kept him, and he's a third. And he's a third team All NBA player. Masai Ujiri, he's my guy when it comes to the draft. 
No doubt. That was a Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it. You can uh, walk into any store and you can try out the appliances before you buy them, not to mention their sales staff. They want to make sure you get what you want. Okay. You go to those big box stores, you have somebody selling you a refrigerator, and then they're going to walk you over and sell you a screen protector for your phone. That is not customer service. You're going to get that at Mountain High Appliance. You can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, how in the world are the Avalanche up 3-1 against the Blues and Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, Gabriel Landeskog, and Nathan McCarr, or, or Kale McCarr, have done almost nothing. How is that possible? That's next. 